No Fucking Way is a podcast that's best enjoyed with headphones. So grab a pair for the most immersive experience. The driver comes out and pulls out a gun and was like, you want to say that again to me? The kid with the motorcycle jumps back on his motorcycle and ditches him. And then another guy comes out from behind from the Ford and hits him with his gun in the back of the head. And he says with that one, he like passed out. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning into Launch Week and welcome back to No Fucking Way. This is the podcast where the craziest stories of all our lives get the cinematic retelling they deserve. I'm James Foster. And I'm Matt Stillo. And I'd say we didn't mean to leave you hanging with that last episode, but... Lies. Lies. (laughs) It's just all lies. We totally did, man. And if it brought you back to the feed here... We're so glad to have you with us. Subscribe while you're at it. And hey, we're finally in the swing of things. So we're going to be dropping new episodes of season one every Wednesday throughout the summer. And also head over to our Instagram at nfw.pod. There you'll be able to find bonus content as well as sneak peeks of each new episode before they drop. So welcome to Missing in Mexico part two. That's right. Part two. If you haven't listened to part one, Please go back and start from the beginning. Because it's kind of spoilers from here on out. It's like spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. So just <laughs> you've, you've been warned. But before we start part two, let's do a quick recap of what happened in part one. Okay. So Ikea, again, that's Ikea, I-K-I-A, and not the Swedish furniture company. Her boyfriend and her and a few family members are visiting a small town outside of Guadalajara, Mexico, where her grandparents no longer live but still have a house. Right, and they're in town to celebrate what Ikea describes as the Festival of Jesus (laughs) that culminates in a night of live music and fireworks in the center of town. Totally. And Ikea is headed into town early by herself to buy some souvenirs where she's supposed to meet her boyfriend later that night, but he never shows up. So on her way home, she gets a phone call from her boyfriend and he whispers, help me, they have me, I'm in a room and I don't know where I am, and hangs up. Holy shit. Chill phone call to receive, you know? (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) So, Ikea runs back to the house, but no one in her family has seen him for hours. And fearing the worst, she springs into action. She tries to get help from the U.S. Embassy, who refuses to help her until a police report is filed and 24 hours have passed, which is not the thing that you want to hear at 3 in the morning. (laughs) So she goes to a local police department to obtain this report, and they laugh her out of the room, saying, quote, Maybe you should get out of town. So then, at 3.30 a.m., she gets a final call from her boyfriend. He says he's escaped the room, and he's hiding in a bush next to a white house with a red sign. Realizing she's really the only one that can help him, Ikea steals the very old family car and just starts driving up and down the streets of the town. And part one leaves off right as she rolls up on a spot that looks exactly like what her boyfriend described. So we're going to roll back the tape just a minute or so and go from there. Here it is, Missing in Mexico, part two. So now me and my uncle are just 
driving up and down every single street just to see like maybe we missed something as we're driving up like the fourth street so we had gone up and down four times we're driving back up this other street and i just see as we are coming up like right at the top to my left there was a house and had a little red sign i was like oh my god he said there was a house that was white in the corner with a little red sign like this is it so we kept going and I don't know how we passed it, but as we're going, I see at the top, it says like Primaria de Mexicacan, which the town's called Mexican. Primaria means, I think, I don't know, high school or middle school. I was like, oh, to the left, there's this park and I see a basketball hoop. I'm like, oh my God, this like, is the park. Yeah, we're fucking is, here. <laughs> we're here. And I call I call my boyfriend, doesn't answer. And my I'm like, turn off the lights, turn off the lights, turn off the lights, we turn the lights off. And then out of nowhere, like out of the bush, comes my boyfriend. He just like runs out into the street and we start screaming and my uncle just drives up. We open the door, he just falls in. Oh my God, he was, he didn't have a t-shirt on anymore. He had a white undershirt that was like kind of ripped, blood all over his head. He had dirt everywhere. His whole body was full of hives and like, because he was hiding in this bush for I don't know how long, all the bugs and I don't know what attacked him. So he had these giant red bug bites. Fire ant bites, mosquitoes, I, something. I don't they were huge all oh over his God. body. Spiders maybe. His whole I mean blood just everywhere on his oh shirt, on God. his shoes. His shoes were trashed, his pants were ripped, his lip was completely swollen and popped, and his eyes were well, one eye was definitely black and his face was just completely scuffed up and he was just couldn't say anything he was just in shock like he landed in the van and i just screamed my uncle like go and we drove as fast as we could my uncle kept yelling that he saw a motorcycle chasing us i was just so like in shock of like oh my god what what just happened happened? like what is going on we finally we made it home and the lights everything was off my aunt, I had to call her and she just opened the door and we both had a kid. I weigh, just to add to the story, I at that point I weighed 90 pounds. My boyfriend weighed like 180 something. And then my uncle, I don't know how much he weighs, but he's very short. So it was a mission carrying him up. And my grandpa has like these stairs that are just super sloped in order to get into his house. And was your boyfriend just like he couldn't move like was he unconscious like he was conscious but i think he was just in so much shock that he was so happy that i think we got him and we found him that he just released everything and just right shut down and so oh we carried God. him and i don't know how we became like superwoman and literally <laughs> just carried him up these stairs and he, we sat him down in the chair i was asking him like what happened what is going on and he just like couldn't talk he was just like frozen there we had to wake up my grandma at that point because luckily my aunt and uncle who the 50 year olds they had a taxi that was coming to pick them up at four in the morning because they were going to leave the next day to the airport they never canceled or changed it and we found my boyfriend between 3 30 and 4 so the taxi was there exactly at four my grandma came down we had already woken her up so that we can load up and get the hell out of there we left a lot of clothes out there in suitcases but my grandma managed to come down and she just hugged him and they like that's the first expression of any any sign of anything that came out of him he just started bawling his eyes out with her and she was just praying 
we were all just crying because we couldn't believe like what one what happened and two i can't believe we found him and now we're getting out of here like we have like 10 minutes and we're getting out of here and things will go back to normal did, what did did you ever think that like he needs to go to a hospital or was oh it just yeah like, the first thing was like he needs so, to go to a hospital so you need to get the fuck out of there so you can even go to a hot like that's how far away you are oh from, like, yeah there's no hospitals there right, and right. honestly whoever had him at that point we don't know you know how he got out or if they released him or what the scenario was that we just wanted to get as far away from anyone that knew anything because we didn't want them to either come back or attack us or I don't know, do something to harm us. Oh my God. So at least I managed to get him in the shower just to quickly rinse him off. We ripped off his clothes and my cousin burned it upstairs because we just didn't want to leave any trace that this house had anything to do with it or anything. So we burned everything. Within like five minutes, I just put a t-shirt on and shorts. We threw him in the back of this like really tiny like Nissan little truck. Me and him sat in the back of it and we covered his head with a towel because he was so terrified. Of, yeah, and I would be terrified too. So we covered him. I sat in front of him. My aunt, uncle squeezed in the back. My grandparents squeezed in the front. There was a driver. I think it only sat like four people, but we managed to fit, what, seven of us? <laughs> It was very, very tight. But we were just so grateful to get the hell out of there. Sure. Were you like, did exhaustion ever hit you? Were you ever like... No, I was like adrenaline fueling. You carried a 180 pound man upstairs. I was like, I need... This is my family and I need to get us the hell out of here to safety. Right, right. I came here to bring my grandparents and I'm going to make sure everyone makes it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I was never exhausted. I never once went to bed. I was just like, I was, I think I was in shock too. I was just like, oh my God, get us to the nearest hospital. So we, I asked the man to just drive out, like just drive towards Guadalajara. It took us about an hour and a half to make it to this town. I asked for a private hospital. I didn't want to go to a local hospital. So we went to a private hospital because they don't ask any questions there. And we were terrified to release any information of like, oh, yeah, we were kidnapped and he was, you know, I don't know, beaten up. And then yeah, if he like told them his name or any connection. Yeah, we just didn't want anyone to like find us smart so we made it to this private hospital and i lied and i just told them like he was in a motorcycle accident that's why his head is bloody and we don't know like what kind of concussion he may have and so we just we need help they did a lot of x-rays they found like a little bit of a like a hairline fracture in his neck um and his shoulder so he had to get like a sling and a neck brace he had like a a few shots to help. His whole face was swollen. His whole face, his whole body, and those bug bites, like he just looked horrible. Luckily, the head, he did have a concussion, so at least he didn't go to bed at all. But the bleeding, I guess your head, your hair follicles bleed the most out of any part of your body. So there was just like- Fascinating. <laughs> fun fact. Learning didn't know things that. today. <laughs> yeah. So if you cut your head, it'll bleed like, it'll look like you're dying, but you're not. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so don't be afraid if that happens to you. Okay. So because there was like two, I mean, now he has like two little scars, but uh-huh. it wasn't any, he didn't need stitches or anything, which is right, great news. Right, 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 right. So, um, 
once he finally got you know himself together, we didn't talk at all. I didn't want to know anything there because I don't want other people yeah. you know hearing what's going on. Um, one of the nurses came in and you know I was just taking care of him and she's like, "Where are you guys coming from?" And I mentioned like my grandparents are from out here, but we're just staying here in the city for the, like the next two days. And she's like, oh, well, just whatever you do, like, don't go to Mexican. It's like really terrible right now. Like the narcos have really taken over the city. Two people have already gone missing. One of my friends, his friend is the one that's that disappeared right now. So it's really sketchy. Like, don't go out there. It's dangerous. Try to stay here and try to stay like in populated areas. And I was just like, are you kidding me? How could no one tell us this before we actually went to that town? And yet here we are after something horrible happened. And they're just like, oh, just make sure you don't head over there. You know, like we mentioned to a few people we were going to Mexico. How come no one else knew this information? Said anything. Yeah. Yeah. So that was I was like, oh, okay, good to know. Never going to that town again. (laughs) So finally, I think it had been like he wasn't there all day. We were only there for maybe like six or eight hours at the hospital at the hospital my other aunt uncle they kept their taxi and they just went to guadalajara and got on their flight our flights wasn't scheduled for like three days from then but at that point i had to call my family and say hi this happened last night we're in a hospital we're all fine but get us the hell out of here please so they were able to talk to the airport and the airline and explain like what happened and actually the airline was more understanding than the u.s embassy about our situation <laughs> and they, they were like oh my god i'm so sorry i can't believe this is happening we totally get it considering you know the situation in mexico so yes they accommodated you know changing our flights and even boosting up more security for us like having someone actually be at the airport like right in the front waiting for us with wheelchairs for everyone to like get on and make sure we got on the plane. Oh my God. Um, so F the U S embassy and <laughs> shout out listening. like what airline did you fly with? Uh, Alaska airlines. Thank Fucking you for saving my life. Shout out. <laughs> Alaska airlines. <laughs> My God. Yeah. So I got us a hotel because they couldn't get us out that night because there was a hurricane. I don't know where. <laughs> there was a hurricane somewhere. Sure. And sure the there flights <laughs> there and the flights were pushed back because there was such bad turbulence. So my aunt who left us at the hospital and went to get her plane, she couldn't board her flight for like, I don't know, ten hours. Like you should have just stayed with us. You abandoned us after a traumatizing experience. Like oh. you could have stayed. <laughs> So once we made it to the hotel, he was very paranoid. He didn't want to talk. He didn't want any. He just kept covering his face. We went into the hotel and we just like bolted it. And then I started asking him like, okay, you know, we did everything. We took care of you. We found you. Give me the details. What happened? (laughs) So he said that. When he left my grandparents' house, he left solo because why? I, I don't know. Honestly, well, coming to meet To this you, day, right? I don't know. Well, yeah, he should have gone to with your cousins. Me, but he could have waited yeah. for my cousins. Yeah, but he left solo. He said he was hungry. He wanted tacos, which that taco stand, again, is not that. It's like right in the corner of my grandpa's house. But I left at 9, so he must have left 9.30, 10 after us. So it's, it's pretty late. And 
the taco guy, there's like a few workers, but there's one with a motorcycle who like delivers tacos, which now that you, I think about it, I'm like in Mexico, like who makes enough money to like waste gas delivering tacos? I don't like, I don't know. That sounds like an expensive little job. So he said he asked this motorcycle taco man delivery person to give him a ride to the center of town because he was wearing boots and it's like cobblestone streets. like. And his feet were just hurting from the night he before. he danced his ass off <laughs> yeah, the night before. So the guy was like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Like, I'll give you a ride. So he said he's giving him a ride and this Ford truck, like giant Ford truck just like comes and cuts them off. And the motorcycle barely had time to stop, so it, they end up crashing. The motorcycle crashes with the back of this Ford truck. And my boyfriend works in safety here in the United States. He And he's all about safety. He's all about, you know, kind of telling people, like, be careful and I don't call. I don't know. He's and so what, what do you mean safety? He works in safety. What does that he mean? He works in construction safety. So like, oh, okay. uh, like construction sites, he's all about like protocol control and, and best practices. Yes. So in his normal life, he sometimes can't turn it off and he loves to like tell people how to be safer, which is hilarious that this very unsafe <laughs> thing happened to him. Um, but he was probably already a little drunk because we had drank throughout the day and he thought he was in America and told this Ford truck how to drive, like the driver. He kind of went after him and was like, you need to be careful, bro. Watch where you're going. Turn your blinker on. You know, he. I think he went um, at him that way. And the driver comes out and pulls out a gun and was like, you want to say that again to me? Like, how about now, hotshot? And he said, oh, like, I'm just like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't want any trouble. The motor, the kid with the motorcycle jumps back on his motorcycle and ditches him. And then another guy comes out from behind from the Ford and hits him with his gun in the back of the head. And that's how he got the first cut. And he says with that one, he like passed out. He like passed out, but like not he was like in and out of consciousness and was he when the first time like did he get off the motorcycle to start talking to them or did they hit him and he fell off he got off okay yeah so they like crashed and i think um he mentioned that the motorcycle like mirror kind of like broke but they didn't actually fall off he got off to like tell them like hey look what you did watch out so he was standing when there was like guns were drawn on him and he got the butt yeah and the motorcycle kid was like bye oh he (laughs) he was like i fucking live here bro i'm out peace out exactly (laughs) yeah Yeah, he's like my life's in danger you can leave i can't everyone knows when you crash into a car in mexico you get the fuck out of there you don't talk to those people (laughs) yeah like what are you doing (laughs) yeah so he left him and Once they hit him in the head, he kind of went in and out of consciousness. He said he fell and he just remembers the guys grabbed him and threw him in the back of the truck. And he heard there was a lady with them saying, I don't want any blood in my house. As long as there's no blood in my house, I don't care. And that's like kind of all he heard. Yeah, go ahead and kidnap that guy, but just don't get any blood in my house. (laughs) That's what I, I was like, what? So he said, even though he was in and out of consciousness there, he grabbed his phone. And he put it in his underwear and like tucked it. Oh, you know, yeah. Where you, yeah, yeah. He, he gave it, it a there. good tuck. <laughs> yeah, he tucked it in that there was real nice. Smart. I'm surprised in his half conscious state that he was thought to do that. That's yeah. Well, that's what I said. I'm like, how do you even think? He's like, I don't. I just felt like he came back. He heard that lady say she doesn't want blood in his house, and he just managed to find his phone and tuck it. And then he doesn't remember 
anything until he said they picked him up and they were dragging him through this like really dark house and that's when he starts kind of remembering a little bit more and that they threw him in a room and then he passed out again he doesn't remember exactly what the room looked like or you know when he ended up in there or what time it was but he said he woke up again to a german shepherd chewing on his foot what in the in this dark room yeah this german shepherd was like biting his boot and we don't have the boots anymore but there was like literal dog bites on this on his boot and his pants and he said he like just got up and started fighting this german shepherd because he feels like he he he's like he said it looked like this german shepherd was fed humans because it was starved and it was just like going ham on him and so he said he like beat this dog up and then he was in this dark room and the only thing it was a, a brick room and there was a window at the very top that was like this long kind of rectangle window and in mexico they don't believe in doorknobs or <laughs> or like normal latches or police or (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) but at my grandpa's house his his doors are like ancient so it's like this little latch that you have to like you twist this this little button to loosen it and then you pull the latch until it locks and then you can pull the door forward or closed and then to lock it you release the latch and then you twist this button but no knobs no knobs it's just this random little latch so we had when we arrived we were like oh my god grandpa like how do you open the door teach us so we learned that and so he said that saved his life because the window had the exact same latch to open it and he's like if your grandpa wouldn't have showed us that we needed to twist that button i don't i think i would have had a broken the window and then you know blown my cover but he said he was able to twist that and he's five eight I think he said the window was like almost eight feet tall. Oh my God. Or eight feet high. And he says he became Spider-Man. Like he doesn't know what got into him, but he tried a few times like jumping and like trying to hold on to the bricks to like climb up and out the window. And it just wasn't happening. And this last time he was like, I can't die here. Like he was just talking to God and just saying like, I'm not going to die here. Like this isn't where my life's going to end. And he jumped and he managed to make it up. And he doesn't even know how he fit through the window and his whole body was scraped. Like he had scrapes on his shoulders, on his on his arms, his his stomach, like his shirt was ripped and I think it was partially from squeezing out of that window. But he squeezed out of that window and then he said that dog was barking. Like as soon as he was out, that dog lost its mind. And so he heard the guys with the motorcycles like, motherfucker we're gonna find you we're gonna kill you you don't even know what's gonna happen to you we're gonna get you he said he just took off running and there was this truck like parked on the street with like the truck bed and he just jumped inside of it and hid there for like 30 minutes and he said that his phone kept buzzing because you know hi i was calling (laughs) i'm like oh my god where are you (laughs) yeah hi he said he kept having to like hit it and he tried turning it off and he just he didn't even know what to do, but he just was hiding and trying to be dead silent in that truck. And then he said it took everything inside of him to have to to realize, like, I need to jump out of this pickup truck and find another hiding spot because, like, he felt too exposed. And that's where he said he jumped out and he just took off running up the street and ended up at that park and hid in the bushes for, like, I think he said he was in the bushes for, like, two hours. He said it felt like eternity. If you're in a hot bush getting bitten by bugs 
20 minutes would feel like an eternity to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it, it said it took him a long time to even, you know, want to grab the phone and call me when he made that call and told me, like, I saw this white house in the corner because he just didn't know, like, if those people were around him. He just, he didn't feel safe at all. So that's why he waited so long. And honestly, I'm glad he waited because what if those motorcycles were still out there, you know, looking for us? The funny thing, when we were leaving with the taxi, the park that he was at was literally two streets down from my grandpa's house. And oh But we God. drove down, we drove down the street. We had to go up and then to the left. So we went the long way technically, but when the taxi took us, he went, up and past that area and it was like oh my god you could have ran home if we would have known you know the location so that's my story <laughs> so wait so when i just have a couple of questions so when he and you may not know the answer but like when he basically was woke up in the room was kind of half conscious in the room with the dog did, was it already nighttime i mean i guess it was it already was nighttime night. when it was when he left when he yes. left the house, it was nighttime. Yes. So both of us, he thinks he left the house and it was daytime. It was oh. not daytime. I left at nine. It is dark. So I think it's something from the trauma. He just remembers it brighter or vividly from his experience. In the room, it's dark. But he says the like the altercation with that truck and when he was thrown into the truck, he says that the sun was out, which is impossible. Interesting. But I, I really think it has to do probably from the concussion. Sure, sure, yeah. And from just the trauma of that experience. Like, it's just brighter in his memory. But it was definitely nighttime. So they basically, they brought him to the house. And then they put him in the room with the dog first. Is that what happened? Yeah. yeah. And then he was kind of in and out of it. But they left him alone with the dog? They left him alone. And so he thinks that band that was playing out in the kiosk saved him. Because they were going to pretty much come back and take care of him is what they told him, what he remembers at least when they threw him in that room. And he says he just remembers hearing music really loudly. So he must, that house must have been somewhere close to that downtown like little town area where they were playing that music with those guys with the big guns. He was thinking like, I'm so close that if I get out, I'll have a chance. He wasn't like, I'm not like in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, so because he heard the music, it was like that sign of like, okay, I kind of know where I am. So I'm not, yeah, outside of the town, like it has to be here. But he does think that that music saved his life and gave him that opportunity to like kind of get it together, come back to life and escape without so many people, you know, being alerted that he was gone because they were probably drunk listening to music out in the plaza. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so eventually you were able to get on the flight after the whole hospital thing. then You stayed in a hotel for that night and you got on a flight and you went back to LA? Yeah, yeah. So we stayed in the hotel and then uh, we luckily had an uncle who was visiting in that town and was able to pick us up and drive us all the way to the airport so we didn't have to trust any strangers or taxis. I was just like, I do not trust people. I was like, nope, I need someone I know and to get us out of here. But yeah, we made it back the next day on flight and we were out of there. Thank God. So since this has all happened, I actually heard that you traveled back to Mexico not that long ago. Is that the first time you've been back since this happened? Yeah. So since this happened, a lot of stuff has changed in my life. Obviously, me and my boyfriend were together our whole lives. And since this experience, me and my boyfriend are no longer together. Ever since that happened, 
He wasn't dealing with it well. He wasn't processing it well. He was having horrible dreams. It it was it was a process for both it's, of us. It's PTSD. Yeah. Yeah, but we were. I felt comfortable, like not comfortable, but like I felt like it was making us tighter, and we were bonding more over it. And this is something that happened. I don't. Well, hopefully it's not something that happens to everyone in life, but it's one of those things in life that happens and you kind of just have to navigate through it and figure it out together and it makes you stronger and you grow and hopefully it never happens again. But I wanted to go to therapy. I had, I've gone to therapy many times Love before. therapy. And so, Big fan of therapy. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like for this, we needed it because I, how else do you deal with this? I don't know anyone else that's dealt with this. No, you got to so, talk about it. Yeah. And this is something that, I mean, Will Will Smith, I don't know if you follow him on Instagram, but he posted a great video where he was just saying, like, you know, it's not your fault what happens in life. Like, shit happens all the time, but it is your responsibility to to deal with it, no matter what it is. Like, it is no one's fault that this happened. This is a horrible thing. Yeah. But it is your responsibility afterwards to, to take care of yourself and to, to get better. And to work on yourself. Yeah. Because if you just let it consume you and just blame it for everything then yeah it's never gonna nothing's gonna get better no but you were talking about this because you were we we were leading up to you went back to mexico yes so this last time we went back i didn't ever want to go back to mexico but because of that whole thing i felt like okay I'm going to go back. And this new trip, we were in Michoacan. And my dad is actually, like, he was born there. He grew up there. We have a ton of family. We're really embedded in the in the community there. So I feel a lot more safer. People know me by first name. My family's established and has houses there. And there's a lot of us. And we were all kind of caravanning together anywhere we went. So that's why I decided to go this time. With my grandparents, it was literally just... Me, my boyfriend, my grandparents, and my aunt and uncle who have never been to that town ever. Oh, my God. I, well, first of all, thank you for telling me the story. This is, I think it's safe It's safe to say, I, I've done, we've done like 10 episodes now. This is the most insane thing I've ever heard. Really? Um, it's, I'm, I'm, you tell me. I'm you, so you numb. Ever... I'm, I'm honestly so numb. To it now. That I understand. I'm like, I mean, it's a big. It sounds like it changed your life in so many ways, and uh, I understand. Yeah, it it really has changed my life. Honestly, for a lot for the good. Like I feel yeah. so in a completely different place than I was last year, and I feel happier. My grandparents are very shaken up about it. Like they don't want to go back to Mexico. They were very angry at me for actually going. One because I went out because you know COVID, and two because what happened to us. And I was okay. I flew solo too, so they were having a heart attack for me flying by myself to Mexico. Well, good but. for you for like. And, and I think that's that kind of goes along with the whole taking responsibility for it. It's almost like exposure therapy, like. It's a thing. It's a scary thing to go back, and you did it. Yeah, it's great. I told my family, like, I just feel like I need to rip this band aid off because I can't just. I love going to Mexico. I have so much family out there. I enjoy vacationing. And those people did something to me, and they can't take this away from me. Holy festival of Jesus Christ. Uh, just Ikea, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing that story. Yeah, and just to say it, we are so glad you're okay. We are so glad your boyfriend at the time, that he's okay, your family's okay. 
Absolutely. Oh, we're just glad that everyone's okay. <laughs> yes, thank you a million times over for coming on the show. And uh, just to say, you know, this show is not a reflection of the country of Mexico. What happened to Ikea and her boyfriend, it's horrible, but it could have happened anywhere. I think the lesson, James, that we, we took away from this is no matter where in the world you are traveling, it's important to keep your wits about you and to do everything you can to stay out of situations like that. Yeah, absolutely. And Matt, you and I have traveled. I mean, we've been to Thailand and Indonesia together. Yeah, and you don't want to fear the locals. I mean, that's why you're traveling. But like at the same time, you have to be smart. You have to keep your wits about you, like you said. There's a level of respect and caution that I think is like a critical... Healthy caution. Uh, yeah, healthy caution. You just you gotta, you gotta watch your back. So I guess the other big takeaway for me, which is kind of surprising, is like, if you call the embassy, there's like a delayed fuse for getting help. Oh, dude, yes, absolutely. Like... All of the research points to the first 72 hours of someone being missing is the critical window that we're in which you can find them or you kind of can't find them. Totally. And so the fact that 24 hours is just like, you can't do anything, like, is doesn't that just seem wrong? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, they have to figure out if, like, it's legit or not. Because I'm sure a lot of people just, like, their phone died or, like... Took the wrong bus. Yeah. Different country, different language. So, like, they have to weed all that out. But she had the phone call from him. He was like... No, no, people have me and I'm in a room and like, you need to come get me. That has to be such a frustrating thing for Ikea to like reach out and just get a brick wall in response and then have the strength to be able to be like, okay, this is on me. Let's make it happen. Oh, I'm in awe. The moment that like the police department was like, haha, get fucked. (laughs) I would have melted into a puddle (laughs) and she was like, you do not fuck with my family. Yeah. Mama Bear has been let loose. <laughs> the strength that she summoned to just be like, okay, now I guess I'll just do everything. And <laughs> like the job of government <laughs> yeah. and protective services, that's on me now. And just go get him. <laughs> <laughs> the other insane thing to me about this episode is that somehow after being headbutted by a gun, her boyfriend thought to tuck his phone like wherever he tucked it. (laughs) Hid the phone, escaped the room, and then like get one phone call out with shitty reception with enough information for Ikea to be able to randomly drive around and find his ass. Yes. Yeah, it's... Also, if I ever have to go anywhere sketchy, I want to go with these people. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like... Yeah, it's like you and I have talked about doing like mini maybe bonus episodes for Patreon or something. And we might have to because I would love to talk to this guy and like hear from him like the step by step how he made this happen. Because you're right, jumping out of a window, like so many things could have gone wrong. Absolutely. And they didn't go wrong. And it's a miracle (laughs) that they didn't. And just to bring it back to how Ikea ended the conversation with you, that, you know, she loves Mexico and they can't take that away from her. Yeah. I love that resilience and that mindset. It's just beautiful. Yeah. And I think that I think it speaks volumes that she was able to come on the show and talk about it because I don't think most people could do that. So So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Huge thank you again to IKEA for coming on the show. So what do you think, man? Well, that'll do it for this week. <laughs> yeah. Yes it will. <laughs> <laughs> This is No Fucking Way. It's created by myself, James Foster, and the one and only Matt Stillo. Our theme music was composed by Josh Quatt, joshquatt.com. He is a rock star. Check him out. And our show artwork was created by the very talented 
Will Schneider. And oh my God, if you tuned in to Launch Week, if you shouted us out on Instagram, if you left a comment and a review, James and I were just completely overwhelmed by the love and support. So much love. Thank you guys. Thank you. You've seriously like... This has been a thing that the two of us have just been doing in our offices for a year, you know, and there's all this doubt and you're like, maybe it's terrible. And like <laughs> to have people be like, no, I love this is like the best thing in the world. So thank you guys. It means everything to us. And for those of you uh, who are just tuning in, if you've enjoyed the show, please take a moment to subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends, all of the above. And you know, Matt, the only way we can make this show is by having people on the show. So if you've got a story that's too insane to be believed, check out our website, nfwpod.com and drop us a line because we would love to have you on. And dude, season two is a brewing, man. We got some submissions. We've got a short list already in the works. Yeah, so hey man, get in while the getting's good. Season two, it's on the way. We don't want to have to have you be on season three, <laughs> but it's kind of looking that way. So, you know, send them in. <laughs> All right, you guys, we're going to have another epic story for you next week. We'll see you there.